0: Welcome to Dirt's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about Fast 9, the fast Saga. before we do that, Buddy, <laughs> why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast. Oh, on this <laughs> podcast, we're going to
1: see Fast 10 in two days. I bought my ticket last night. I'm so... I... It honestly didn't hit me until... How just how close... It's two days. Two days away. Yeah, until. although apparently it's one of three. <coughs> um... Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. I don't know. It's great. It's. I don't think I've been this this hyped for a movie. Honestly, I don't think I've been this hyped for a movie since F9 came out two years ago. Like I just. Oh, this 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 series of movies. What a what a what a what a franchise. Okay.
0: All right. So I, I said this to Buddy before we started, but I'm gonna rush us through the pre-spoilers. You're gonna get a spoiler warning on this. Because, you know, this is a recent enough movie, right? Yeah. But there are some spoilers that are. And I want going to talk into about.
1: it unspoiled is great. Yes. I would recommend it, honestly.
0: All right. So let's give our pre spoiler opinions. Buddy, I know you like this movie a lot. Yes?
1: Uh, you know, I would have normally said that Fast Five is the best one, but I'm lying. F9 is the best one. It's my favorite. It is the culmination of all of these things. It's the kind of, it's the, it's it's the kind of movie that, um, you know, like Avengers was right. Or infinity war, or honestly fast five was right. Um, in the sense that it requires a certain amount of buy-in. You have to kind of understand the lore. You have to understand the characters, their relationships with one another. But if you do, if you walk into this movie with that context, it's a transcendent experience. At least it is for me. Um, Famously, I cried seven times when I saw it in theaters. I listed each of the seven times. I even know, don't even remember. I'm trying to go back and find that tweet um, from, you know, however however long ago. Um, but I cried just watching it last night. I couldn't – I – it <sighs> – what a, what a picture. This is what movies are made for. Mega. That's my, that's my take.
0: Um, I am slightly less hot on this movie uh, to put it – like I don't – so be clear – I think this is a perfectly fine movie. It has done this thing for me that a lot of these movies have done, which is in the beginning, I start to (coughs) not quite like it, but then it turns me around by the end of it. Um, I think part of that too is that I'm coming into this as the penultimate movie, right, or at least the penultimate chapter, let's say, since, again, we're getting three more of these apparently to finish out Fast (laughs) X, which is fine. Um, But uh, some of the stuff in the beginning worried me a little bit. Um, but it quickly turned itself around, and I very much enjoyed the movie. Um, I still think I like Fast Six the best. Like
1: okay,
0: um, sure. Or, and again, with my caveat that like of the modern Fast and Furious movies, I think Fast Six is the best so far. And of the what I'm going to call the classic ones, which is a weird way to put it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Fast, like I think Tokyo Drift is still my fast my favorite Fast and Furious movie as. I intuit the original series was intended. Um, yeah, so
1: we're 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 kind of cutting off at four, right? Between four and five is when they kind of jump into this next yeah. level. Yeah, honestly, between five and six is maybe when I would say in in five, you know, they are doing crazy stunts, but like at the end of the day, they're still being criminals. They're robbing a bank. Well, it, um,
0: it's not necessarily the 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 hero stuff. It's the kind of like ludicrousness, right? And I think four is the transition okay. movie there, right? Like, yeah. Right, you know, even even though they are crazy, like every even though things in one two and three are, are pretty crazy, there's still like a thought that maybe this could be real. That kind yeah, of goes the, up with the forward.
1: there is the DNA of crime thriller in one, two, three, four, right? Yeah. But the DNA kind of gets sh- like like mutated between four and five to, you know, over the top action movie, right?
0: Okay. Then I'm on board. Yep. All right. So here's your spoiler warning. There's a big spoiler that I'm going to immediately talk about past the spoiler (laughs) warning. So if you care to be unspoiled about F9, the Fast Saga, stop now. All right. So here it is, right? There's this scene in the movie where um, it's Letty and Mia, I believe, are in Japan, and they see... The Mexican flag, and this is meaningful, right? And there's a fight scene, right? And um, at the end of the fight scene, our heroes are on their back feet, but then a sniper takes out three of them. And I think to myself, as this is happening. Ah, this is the thing I predicted. This is the thing (laughs) where Giselle, we didn't see her die, so this is Giselle, right? But I forgot. This is fucking Fast and Furious, right? <laughs> There's no twists. Everything is played as straight and stupid as possible. It's fucking Han. It's Han. Han. The fuck? He's the fuck? alive. Nothing. Nothing is fucking sacred. Like I have, no. like off the backs of this, <laughs> I have some stuff to talk about for ten that we'll get to. But you know, it's just what, like, like of like. There is some stuff in this movie. Like, I think the magnets are fucking stupid. Just because, like, like they have a level of unreality to them that, like, don't even work, doesn't even like work. Oh come it's, on, uh, really? I I okay, well that's fine. We'll no, talk no, about no. it. It's not uh, that magnets that strong exist. It's that they work exactly as the plot wants them to. Not like yes, a right. Like stronger. they
1: magnet into the truck the whole the car from like a million miles away, and it's like the cube. What is it? The cube something rule would like how on earth would that ever or,
0: work so it's it's not even that aspect right it's like the yeah. cube they, they they pull the the car in but like nothing else on the block is affected right like it affects things as the plot wants it to right yes. and like you know yes sure i don't require realism but i do like a little bit of internal consistency right but again i don't it doesn't bother me that much i just like i am much more forgiving of the space stuff here cuz like you know they can do space, right? Like, you know, I believe that they can do space and the space stuff itself, consistent, right? Like, I believe that fucking Roman and Tej boarded the ISS and came back down to Earth at the end of this movie, right? Yep. Um, that doesn't, like, that stuff doesn't bother me like the magazine. Stuff. But, right, like, um, this movie is fucking bananas, right? Because, like, Han coming back means that absolutely nothing is sacred at all. Right, like. Oh my
1: god! Oh. Uh, at
0: all? Is this is this when you cried? Is this one of the times when you cried when,
1: when it was Han? Uh, you know what? Let me. Pu- I need to pull up this tweet. I, I will search for the tweet. Absolutely, one of the times I cried. A lot of my a lot of my crying was related to Han. I'm pretty sure. Oh, uh,
0: um. Also, <laughs> congratulations on not spoiling me on this. Right? You've been talking. This I'm entire honestly time. a little surprised. I thought I had. Yeah. Uh, you've talked to me this entire time about like justice for Han, right? And like this whole this whole deal. <laughs> Um, does this, does this mean that Jason Statham's okay because he didn't actually kill Han? Like, I mean, that, that's what we're going to, did you watch the post post credits? Yeah, scene? yeah, yeah.
1: We're going to find the fuck out, I guess. Uh, you know, Jesus.
0: I mean, this, um, is, this is a retcon on a retcon, right? Yep. The first retcon is that it was Jason Statham or, you know, uh, Deckard Shaw that killed Han. The second retcon, that didn't even happen, right? Like, yep. not even like a real explanation, just like Mr. Nobody made it happen right, like, good enough for me, I guess, right, like, uh, Mr. Nobody, who I guess is still missing as of the end of this movie, um, but, yeah, this is, honestly, so, what's the other part of this? We, we get, we essentially get, the finally, the full explanation of Dom's backstory, right, like, we get, you know, we see the moment where he goes to jail for, like, beating a guy's facing, because it's when his father dies, um, and his father dies because he gets into a crash that his brother his brother caused, but that's okay because they were in debt or something. Like, honestly, like I get what they were trying to do, but it's not my favorite part of this movie. Right? Like is is the is the Dom backstory. Like, I don't think young Dom and young Jacob Look particularly like John Cena and Vin Diesel, um, uh, and so like, I don't know. It, it, it did not resonate with me as much. How, how 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 did you feel about?
1: Um, how did I feel? The big thing about that, I I, I guess I feel more about the vibes okay. than anything else, right? Like this this is, that is a moment in my in my head that runs on vibes. Okay. Um, which is just that, like, these are, this is, he is a, um, I'm sorry, I'm still searching this thing, so I'm, like, half-focused. Um, okay, so, just to, to, to say this for real, it's more about the emotions than the actual plot mechanics of how this happens, right? The actual sure. plot mechanics are Dom is, wants to do things by the book, um, Jacob wants to do the, do the risk, Right. Um, And uh, Dom's dad sided with Jacob over Dom. Right. And what Dom misunderstands is he thinks that Jacob put you know, the risk onto, uh, like, onto their dad and is the reason that their dad died. But really, at the end of the day, the dad is the one who basically asked for it, right? Right, Uh, That's, like, like the drama of it. But I don't think that that matters as much as the emotionality of, like, (coughs) we were brothers and I blame you for this thing. Right. And it deteriorated our relationship in, in like such a way. And I, I buy into that piece of it without necessarily like caring. Like, I don't even think I could have explained the mechanics of how it happened if I didn't see it yesterday, but I could have told you, oh, um, you know, Dom thinks that, uh, Jacob betrayed him. Right. Um, and, uh, and he hasn't forgiven, and he hasn't forgiven Jacob for that, right? And so, yeah, I guess that's kind of where I fall on it. I, there's a lot of stuff, in a certain sense, that I would almost say lives in this kind of like vibes area, right? Um, based on just kind of like what I don't even know how to how I would like. It's almost like rule of cool, but like yeah. rule of sincere emotionality. Okay. does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, buy you know, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, for instance, I don't super believe that Dom wouldn't, you know, b- go into action at the beginning of the movie, right? When he kind of has this, like, denial of the call to adventure sort of thing, right, right. which, to be fair, I hate this trope in general, right? But, like, I understand, like, the emotions of it that, like, Dom is, a re- is like, the reluctant hero being kind of called back to action. F- sure, fair enough, that kind of
0: thing. Yeah, no, that makes, how about that? That makes, that makes perfect sense to me. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I guess I feel that. Um, yeah, what else? I don't know, this this movie is kind of, like, a blur to me, just because, like, it's, I like I said, it, the, the magnet stuff, I didn't like a lot, and because that's like, such, like, it's the pivotal gadget of the movie, like, you know, previously it's been Harpoon Guns or whatever, um, that kept distracting me, and also, I just, like, didn't like a lot of the action as much, um, some of the stuff was cool, right, like, um... Like, John Cena riding, like, a three-mile zipline through the fucking city. It's like that zipline, like, just keeps going, right? Like, it's fucking (laughs) hilarious. Um, in, like, that totally, like, this is stupid, but (laughs) sincere way. Um, (coughs) also, yeah. Um, I think you'll, you'll appreciate this. Um, when Dom, like, crashes, like, the thing, like, the, like, the tower down on him and all those people, and he, like, falls in the water and has the out-of-body, near-death experience, my mind jumped to, uh, The Last Jedi, when Rey is like exploring her past in like the like the cave mirror, um, it's like you know this this kind of works, right? Like I will I will give it that like it is it is the cheesiest scene on the fucking planet, but I think it works. And uh, okay,
1: uh, so by the way, I do want to confirm that yes, when Han shot the three guys chasing Letty and Mia, I did cry. Uh, so what what are your seven cry moments? Uh, The first one is realizing that Dom named his kid after uh, Brian, which was a detail that is not unique to this movie. I had just forgotten it. And it just gave me feelings. Okay. Um, Then when Mia showed up at the base to help track down Jacob and says that Brian is with Brian... That one just got me for some reason. Um, I don't know. Just every time they refer to Brian as having this like perfect idyllic life in the background just hits me. Uh, when Han showed up at the base and hugged the crew, especially Dom, I cried. Those are two cries kind of back to back. When Jacob comes back at the end to help Dom take down the bad guy and they work together to flip the truck with their magnets and Dom saves Jacob like and they're so in sync. Even though they hate each other and everything, I was just on board for all of that. Uh, when Han shows up at the family barbecue at the end of the movie and hugs the Tokyo Drift crew, that one got me. That was the time I cried last night. Was that moment? it's just ah, <laughs> oh, it's so good. And then when Dom asks Little Brian if he's ready to say grace at the family barbecue, oh, so
0: emotional, so emotional. <laughs>
1: A lot of them are about Brian. A lot of them are about uh, uh like, a lot of them are about um, or uh, uh,
0: how, Han rather. So I have to ask, how do you feel about Brian driving up at the end of the movie? That's supposed to be Brian, you know, in the car, right? Like,
1: that yeah, that is supposed to be Brian in the car. It's his kind of car. He drives the Japanese imports. I think it's like a Toyota or yeah, something, yeah. right? Um I guess I didn't cry there. Maybe I was already I was still crying, I don't yeah, know, yeah,
0: yeah. man. Like no, I, you know <laughs> So I just like how how do you feel in general about it? Do you think that you think' it was tasteful oh absolutely I
1: th- th- all of this I think is great right um it's sort of the opposite in my in my mind of um what it feels like uh, a lot of the Disney Star Wars stuff has felt like with people who are dead like Carrie Fisher um the guy who played Admiral Tarkin where they sort of do these um uh CGI you know, CGI faces or whatever I don't know the thing it feels it feels much more respectful um I guess, in a weird way, and there's also another angle of it, which is that like Paul Walker was young when, you know he he died. Um, and so giving Brian the kind of perfect life at the end of the at the end of the Fast and Furious franchise um that he didn't get to have in real life feels meaningful in some way that's hard to quantify.
0: that makes sense. I get that. I get that um i think I think my kind of overall attitude towards like they kind of, what has happened in this movie, right? Like, this is, right? Like, I remember when Super, this is going to sound weird, but I remember Super Mario Galaxy came out, right? And everybody's like, well, what else is there left to do, right? Like, then there was Galaxy 2, which is kind of just like a direct sequel. And then they did Odyssey, which managed to top Galaxy, even though, like, kind of like the, you know, the purported stakes aren't actually higher, right? Like, it's the same, yeah. like, it's technically smaller stakes because it's, like on mario world or whatever like the mario planet um that is kind of how i am thinking about fast x right like i feel like you only like really jumped the shark in retrospect right and so what needs to happen with like fast fast i think this is why i'm a little bit more ambivalent on fast 9 is like if fast 10 fast x can land this right or like Jump the shark, basically jump the shark harder, and then go out on that. It will be perfect. If in retrospect nine jumps the shark is going to be a disappointment, and that that's kind of my my big trepidation moving in, in, into the future. How do you, how do you feel about that?
1: That I guess I guess I see where you're coming from. On um, in a certain sense, I actually think the Fast and Furious franchise is a little bit immune to jumping the shark, and I think part of that comes from um, the ways in which it buries sort of. Action stakes in emotional stakes. Do you know what I mean? So, for instance, this is this is a part of what I think probably doesn't work about *Fate of the Furious*, right? Um, the action states of that of that movie are, you know, you need to we need to stop Cipher from doing w- w- this bad thing. We don't know what she's after, but it turns out she's after this nuclear submarine, right? Um, the emotional stakes are she is blackmailing Dom to work against the team, right? And so the emotional stakes of that movie are, this is, you know, this is someone whom we care a lot about (laughs) and we're forced to fight him. But I don't think that that works. That lands as much because to be honest, Dom doesn't, he's mostly working against Cypher. He's only really fighting Cypher a little bit in, or fighting with Cypher a little bit in the middle. He, he switches sides and figures out a way to, to betray her pretty quickly. Um, the thing that Fast Nine is doing is all this stuff between Dom and Jacob. Or actually, maybe a better example is Furious uh, or uh, Fast and Furious Six. Right? It's all about Letty. Right? It is about Letty. She's amnesia. She's this amnesiac. But Dom, you know, is hopelessly in love with her and wants to wants to get her back i think those like emotional stakes land so the movie can keep jumping the shark and doing crazy shit they have a tank you know they're fighting a super terrorist why who cares right because the thing that really matters is our friend letty is in danger and we need to sort of save her does it make sense and i feel like that's that's what works for me about f9 it's about first of all it's about han on a certain level, right? Because sure. um, there's all this stuff about Han is alive, actually. Hashtag justice for Han, I'm so glad, right? Um, but then it's also just stuff with Jacob, right? Like, I really liked the moment when... like, Yeah, I talked about the moment with Mia. I really liked about the moment with Mia coming and joining the the crew kind of officially, in a way, um, because it roots that whole family... I don't know. It, it just, like, roots that whole family dynamic. And even though, like... I don't, what like the the satellite can hack anything if they upload link this thing into like I don't care you know like I don't care about any of that that stuff doesn't matter right what matters to me is that Dom is is fighting his brother, but he doesn't realize that. You know, he's been holding this this dumb grudge for however many years, right? Um, and then the other thing I think is just that the, the action itself is so good that it rises above. This is part of why I forgive the magnets. The, the magnets work on a rule of cool, essentially, right? Because, like, one of the things that makes these movies special is how much of the stunt work is practical, right? Um, and, you know, sure, I know when they turn the dial, it's not actually a magnet. But, like, watching... Them driving down the thing and the cars are being launched at the beast. And the beast is a real thing. They made this real gigantic bus convoy things and catapulted cars into it, right? And it just kept driving. Seeing all of this stuff happen in reality is cool, right? Or like there's the, the moment where Dom is um, being chased by another car and he drives by like a, like a, like a silverware store. Basically, right? And he turns on the magnet and it pulls all this stuff out. And they have this shot where the people are standing there and this stuff flies by them out the window. That, that shot was practical. That was real, right? Those were real people with real knives flying out the window or whatever, right? And I think all of that stuff is what makes it work. In fact, the action scene that I'm probably least on board with is the one in the very beginning. So I kind of agree with you a little bit about, like, the movie kind of lost me because there is quite a lot of CGI in that, like, minefield chase. But, and this is crazy, the final bit where they jump Onto the, they put the car on the rope, and Dom like nails it into the tire, and he swings the car. That was practical, which is insane to me, right? Like
0: that was practical.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so it's dressed up with CGI, right? Like obviously, Dom doesn't actually, yeah, Vin Diesel's not actually in that
0: car, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. They, but they really swung, they really swung that car into a cliff. And then they filmed it, right? And it's like that's the stuff that I think makes uh, you know, the action rise like rise above, right. Um, so I don't know. I guess that's that's sort of how I feel it's it's sort of a two pronged approach to how I feel about like jumping the shark in these movies.
0: so I, I think i i I think I largely agree with you, but I think you need to keep like if you don't necessarily like raise kind of like the the purport of sticks, you have to raise the stunts, right? like, like, sure. I, I do think that, like, like if Fast 10 was just, like, you know, a soft reboot of, you know, Fast and Furious 1, right, like, I don't think that would work, right? Like, I mean, I guess if it was a soft reboot, like, maybe because it'd be a reboot, but, like, you, you know, like, if, if it was at the same <coughs> you level.
1: You couldn't do the thing where the street racer driving under the truck, which was the coolest stunt that they did in yeah, the first movie, exactly. right?
0: Yeah, right. <coughs> right. Right, yeah, You you, you, abs- you absolutely could not um and i yeah. think and i think that's what, I, that's what i mean right like is i think fast 10 needs to have more bombast or at least arguably more bombastic stunts right like or at least at yeah. parity um otherwise i i just don't think it'll work um and that that's what i mean by like we we will know if it has like cuz i think i think jumping the shark jumping the shark gets talked about in this kind of like a relatively objective way um and I think, like, I think it's really a thing in the rear view, right? Like, you could say that the series jumped the shark at like four or five or six, right? But it keeps jumping bigger sharks, right? And so it keeps kind of, you know, elevating what the what the movie is. And I think that that works, right? Like, um, yep. And so I think they need they think they need to land it with ten in order in order for it to work. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I think I do want to talk more about Fast Ten uh, later. But what other things do you want to talk about about this movie in in particular?
1: Uh, man, what other things do I want to talk about this movie in particular? One of the other things that I thought was fun, um, and interesting was the way in which the universe has been built up around these characters at this point. Um, because like I said, I, like, I feel like that is, like, an ingrown part of the thing. Like, there's the whole part where Dom goes to visit, um... The the mom Shaw right Uh, Queenie you know Deckard Shaw yeah Queenie right yes Um, and like that stuff I like that stuff doesn't make sense unless you have seen these other movies and you understand like who this character is but I love her. And that sequence just has, like, this little sprinkling of, oh, we're going to be in, you know, and, we're looking for this thing. Do you know about it? Right? And here's this contact from a previous movie who matters to the story and can deliver on, like, this piece of the puzzle. Right? Um, and then they do this whole thing with the Lamborghini, which I really loved. Um, I don't know why. They've done this a couple of times. Like, these, I, I guess we've gone through three of them now. Like, dense London car chases are fun for some reason. Um, And, um, and it's like, and that to me is maybe some of the best, this is maybe where the fast and furious comes alive. The most (coughs) in these later movies is like accessing these pieces that, you know, like didn't necessarily exist before, but now they do. Or, or for instance, there's another detail that was great, which was um, Leo and Santos in prison. Right. And he's hanging out with them and they reveal this bit about the fuel line um, that like connects it in Dom's brain to what happened to his dad. Right. Like there's plot relevant information, but it's being delivered by two characters who like were legitimate characters who existed in, you know. Four and five, and I think they showed up in seven, but maybe not. Right? They never really quite graduated to the main ensemble the same way that, like, you know, Roman or Tej did, yeah. right? Um, or even Ramsey, weirdly enough. Um, and so, you know, like that kind of stuff. Um, how do you feel about, like, I guess this is all world building. How do you feel about the world building behind the the Fast and Furious franchise?
0: Um, behind the behind the whole franchise, um, I don't. I don't really know, right? Because like, there's it, it feels like. There's not a lot of – it feels like there's not really a lot of, like, world building, as it were there, right? Like, you could – like, you know, there's, like, shades of stuff, right? Like, there's Mr. Nobody and, like, you know, Brian um, – what's, what's what's the CIA dude? Uh, the funny, funny man. Ryan Reynolds um, in, in Hobbs and Shaw.
1: Oh, my God. I thought you meant the guy who had the broken nose uh, from the beginning of this movie, who I love also, but –
0: yeah, no, no, not, not him. Um,
1: Shea Wiggum is the actor, but I, mean,
0: I don't remember what his name is yeah, yeah. No, uh, but right, no, This means, like, you know, there is obviously, like, you know, there is some super spy world-building stuff. And, like, the world-building is, is to your point, like, <laughs> relatively <coughs> closely contained, right? Like, the, the world-building, as such as it is, is about Dom's family, right? Like, his, his adopted family, essentially. um, uh, And so I think that that theming is strong, but there's not a lot to build there, right? Like, you know... Um, basically every, like the, 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 most consistent point in the movies is the fucking house, which gets rebuilt at the end of this one. Right. Like, um, but like everything else is just kind of like in fluxes. It needs to be. Um, and the fact that like, you know, the recurring characters I think are neat, but I don't feel like, like, and like, you know, it, it, if it's, it's fine, but it's like, it, it's, I think it's only fine mostly because like, I don't care. Like, cause it's a kind of like a head empty movie right, like, um, there's, like, a version of, like, if this were a serious movie, right, there's a version of the complaint where, like, you know, oh, it turns out, like, you know, seven people in the universe matter, and they all know Dom, right, um, and this movie is a fun action flick, so that doesn't matter, right, like, I don't care, um, but I don't find the world building to be particularly compelling, I guess, I mean, I enjoy that there's a consistent through line, but, like, I don't
1: know. I feel like I feel like the thing I'm really highlighting that I like about it is the small touches, in a way, okay. of when these characters show up and how they show up, um, which is maybe something that I don't know. I can th- I can think of another kind of movie that delivers on this sort of because like a lot of these movies that have uh, like that exist in greater continuities, right? Like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, the DCEU or whatever. They go through great lengths to either acknowledge or brush over the rest of the continuity. So, for instance, um, Ant-Man, the original Ant-Man from 2014, he has that whole thing where he goes to Avengers Mansion and he fights Falcon or whatever. And, like, that to me is too much, right? It is, It is like, um, I don't know, it's this, like, bombastic, heavy-handed, like... It's yeah, fan service and it, and it, it it is a plot cul-de-sac. It takes away from, you know, the kind of overall thing of uh of the movie, right? Versus something like I'm trying to think of what's like a good example of like undershooting this, right? Um Maybe Aquaman is an okay example. Which is a movie I like a lot, right? But it doesn't have a lot of a connection to the rest of the D- the DC EU, right? Um, you know, it sort of is this is this own self contained story. So even though he shows up in Justice League, Justice League happens, he does stuff. Uh, his trident is there; it gets broken. Uh, there's you know references to Mira, who's obviously also in Justice League and doing and doing kind of some of this stuff. Um, you know, that's maybe a movie that is underserved by a connection to the overall sort of cinematic universe, whereas uh i my some of my argument is that fast nine sort of lives in this just right place right yeah
0: um i i see what you're saying but i think that that's only because again it's like a movie that we don't take super seriously right like i feel like if like i were putting on my like you know deep art critic hat right and i was like mad at like cape shit but it was fast and furious movies instead and like there's a there's a density okay. problem to this right i'd be like you know <laughs> not like, shit yeah, like yeah yeah not shit right like <laughs> i'd be like i saw it and i remembered it and i clapped right like like that that's kind of like i think the criticism you could level at this yeah. Um, in terms of like volume and and stuff. And, yeah, and- but
1: so part of part of it, I think, though, is that a lot of this stuff is like loaded emotionally, right? So, for instance, the the Tokyo Drift crew, they show up. <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, when the Tokyo Drift drift crew shows up, they fulfill a plot function, right? They are there to be set up and pay off for getting Tez and Roman into space, which is a fun yeah. comedy beat that we can cut to in between our kind of like action set pieces or whatever. But there's an emotional underpin, like something emotionally underpinning them, which is that Han is alive. This is the movie that brings Han back into the fold and they show up at the family barbecue and they get to hug Han. This is part of why I think actually the movie earns Han coming back to life more than a lot of other movies have earned other characters coming back to life that we thought were previously dead. Um, even movies that I think did it right, um, and, and did it and did it well, do it less well than with Han, because it focuses so hard, not on the raw logic of how did this happen, right? Um, but on the raw emotion of why does this matter to our characters, right? Um, and I care about Han coming back because I see how much it matters to Letty and Mia, right, who are people who really care about Han right? Uh, I see how much it matters to Sean uh, and Twinkie <laughs> and the Tokyo Drift crew um, because they care, they really care about Han. Um, and it's like it's sort of the opposite of, you know like when Ant-Man fights Falcon, there there isn't anything there right there's no there's no emotion or drama tied up in that it is just to service this plot detail right sure. but the addition of the extra sort of level of emotionality i think is what is what makes it good and not bad resurrecting someone from the dead does that make sense
0: maybe um like i get what you're saying i still think to me a lot of it's that you know it's it's a movie that i don't have to like take super seriously but I also I, I will also admit that part of this I am sure is that I watched Han die four months ago, not ten years, right? Like so yeah.
1: Oh no, there is no amount. I'm thinking about. There, I I've I've had a couple of these in my life, and they are truly transcendent experiences. Which is the like. Incredibly long reveal plot twist. So maybe the best example I can think of is The Venture Brothers. The Venture Brothers executed on a twenty-year plot twist, and I'm sure we will cover The Venture Brothers, not all that in, in the future. They're making them. They're making a movie. That's the end of the the show. Is this movie? Um, but there's a plot twist at the beginning of the final season of the show because now they're doing a movie. There's a plot twist um, that. Answers this question that has been running for the entire length of the show, and that show started in two thousand three, right? And this came out like twenty twenty one or twenty twenty, right? So it is like, it's like a twenty year, it's like a twenty year plot twist, and like, how many of those have there been, and how many of those can be satisfying is just an insanely limited number. Maybe actually another. Oh, I'm sorry, I just. Uh, Maybe another good one is Order of the Stick. I was talking about Order of the Stick earlier, right? There There is a delivery on a plot twist that was set up in 2003. Also a thing from 2003, I guess, right? That has just now been, like, revealed to us. And it's just like, there is some extreme level of satisfaction that comes with that, that having had that happen basically um and part of that is Han is definitely like Han coming back right um you know it, it, it's a little bit not quite as clean because obviously Fast Five and you know Fast and Furious Six come out Han is still there these are technically the prequels right and then you realize that Furious Seven is the is the present day kind of gap or whatever um but but uh, but yeah, having the, having this guy come back to life and be be added back to kind of the main cast and the main ensemble uh, feels really good. Especially because he... Part of the other thing I really liked about Han coming back into the team is that Hobbs isn't here. Um, and in the way that I had sort of talked about how Hobbs' competing energy in Fate of the Furious brought brought it down, this one leans so heavily into what I was talking about with this Vin Diesel, you know sincerity um and han is right on board for all of that right you know he has his whole thing with the the girl um you know the the daughter of the two japanese scientists who's like a plot mcguffin or whatever but like you know that level of sort of emotionality is the kind of thing that like the fast and furious movies execute on um and it, that's part of why it felt so good for han to kind of come back and slot into you know and slot into the rest of the team because because he matched the emotional tone, and he was kind of <coughs> replacing someone who didn't match that emotional tone. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess. Sure, I'll give it to you. Um, I'm not as convinced, but you know, it's a funny. Yeah.
1: So. <laughs> you know what? I will wear you down, okay? With my, with my.
0: <laughs> yep, maybe, maybe you will. But um, I don't know. I, I also felt like. I felt like this movie was kind of like, it felt more hollow, not in like an emotional one, because I will agree with you, the, emotion, the emotions here. But it felt like a lot less memorable than the other ones. And I, I can't quite put my finger on why. Maybe it's because you can only see like, you know, Dom catch a person on a car so many times before it seems rote or whatever, which is like a ridiculous sentence. But like, I no, think- I, no,
1: I get, I get you. Uh, so something I was thinking about. In terms of the stunts this time, I like the Beast, and I think that the stuff with the Beast is really sweet. Um, especially because, like I said, so much of it is practical. Those are real fucking cars. That, you know, but I kind of think that the the action peaked in 6. 6 had this insane wombo combo of, number one, the F1 car, right? The F1 ramp car was such a good... Like, I want to say the tank is the best one, because... I gushed about this tank yeah. literally in every episode since then, right? Um, and just – and like, like I said, I was all practical. That was a real tank crushing real cars, and it looks so good. It's so satisfying, right? Um, but I think maybe the Formula One car is actually the best action in this film – or in this film franchise, right? Um, and, uh, and something about the convoy that I think doesn't work – is that they sort of did this in Furious 7, right? Where there's that convoy in the Caucasus that they go and sort of, like, raid. And obviously it's a different, you know... Uh, this one is in a... One of these is in a city. The other one is in kind of the the countryside or whatever. Um, that one is technically a bus. The Beast is sort of this... I don't even know what you
0: would call it. It's an right? APC it's like, or something. I actually... Like, I was actually yeah. going to say, I think the Battle Bus <coughs> is a better scene. Partly because... One, like, you know... Really? As, as, like, kind of, like, silly as to skid out and climb on the top of the bus thing is, I think that's, like, g- good. I also think, like, the action inside, right? Like, that's, that's like, Tony Jaa, right? Like, that's inside the...
1: Oh! You're right! Yes, that's when Brian is fighting Tony Jaa with his converses, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I agree with you. I kind of think I agree with you.
0: Um, and so, like, I guess maybe that, maybe that's part of it, right? Is, like, this feel... I think, I think you're right. I think you put the, the nail on it. Is... Um, they are in a city, but like that, like they might as well not have been, right? Like it matters, like maybe for like half a minute, where they're getting chased by cops for fifteen seconds, and they pull like the, the the fucking uh. Power lines down on them. Well, so,
1: yeah, well, so I think the magnet stuff is cool, but the magnet stuff feels different, right? Like the the magnet stuff, I don't know. I don't, I don't, it's it's kind of like hard to explain. The ba- the magnet stuff I think is sweet. But like in a in a disconnected way from them going up against this this the beast, right? Um, and I think that, and you know, to be fair, I think this is better than some of the other stuff. For instance, I like it better than basically everything in eight. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I like it better than all of the action in eight, uh, like the stuff. But I think it's because the the magnet stuff is cool, right? You know, flipping the cars, you know, pulling cars. The you know when when Dom and Jacob are pulling the cars onto the beast because Jacob gets into Han's car. Um, you know, there's a lot of mechanics about like when Han and Mia magnetize their car to the back of the APC that has the girl in it. And then they're, and then they're like fighting. in like, I think that stuff is kind of, is, is kind of neat. Um, but I don't super care about like the convoy itself. And then once it gets to the end of the action scene where Dom is in the convoy and he's like using the, the beast to block the missiles that are coming from Cypher, like that's kind of where it loses me. Right. Um, because it just sort of feels like this is a worse version of the battle bus from, Furious 7.
0: See, I, I, it, it, as I've laid out, I, it loses me at the magnets, right? Just because like, at some point, it flips over from like, this is a mag- cool magnet thing to like, these are magic magnets that does what the plot wants to do and, the, and they're like, you know, you know, ipso facto, de, or de, they're they're like, essentially like deus ex machinas, right? Like they're, they're whatever the plot needs them to be and so they stop being cool to me. They just start being, like, kind of start being like the reason that the good guys win, which is, fine and it looks cool but like it 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 can't grab me in the same way that like the tank does or the jet like you know the rolling jet does right like um because those like have like an internal consistency to them right like um like i like the harpoons on the jet a lot more than i like and like you know like you said the 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 ramp cars right but i like the harpoons on the jet a lot more than i like the magnets because like even if they're like not behaving the way you would expect Necessarily harpoons to like you know, a harpooning uh, uh, a ju- to behave, they, they behave in kind of like an internally consistent way that I feel like the magnets don't, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah, I like,
1: I th- yeah, and then and then it also doesn't do the thing uh, Furious 7 is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum to me, which is that Furious 7, uh, the, the climactic scene in Los Angeles works, um, but the reason that works is because of these insane over-the-top moments that are kind of unrelated to cars, right? It is Dom brandishing the, the wrenches like lightsabers, right? Stomping the fucking thing and saying that dumb thing about the street and essentially earthbending, I yeah, guess, yeah. in order to, like, kill Shaw. It is The Rock pulling the minigun off of the helicopter and then using it to shoot... The drone, right? Like that stuff. That stuff is all action stuff, and it's all super cool and awesome action stuff. But it's kind of unrelated to the cars. Like the car stuff isn't what makes this cool. Well, you can you can tell in fear in um in F nine, right? Part of what is built to, to be cool about this action scene is that it, they're doing car shit again, right? This is car stuff, right? Um, and um, and so in a in a way, I sort of ha- there's like a there's like a thin dividing line between the way those two kind of like do their do their climaxes
0: yep i i I think i buy that i think i think i'm okay with
1: that are the magnets better or worse than the bank vault from five i guess
0: obviously yeah no I'm, i'm thinking um i think the magnets are worse because even though the bank vault shouldn't work like that it feels like it works consistently to itself. Um, whereas the magnets... The magnets really do feel like plot magic. Okay. Um, and like there's also... Yeah, like- I think... I, th- I honestly
1: think the magnets might be better... If they didn't do the thing with the wires at the very end. Because the thing is... They're, they've been going through this whole city the whole time. The magnets don't pull down any wires. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... There are no power cables... 20 feet in the air that the magnets will will grip and pull down i don't know
0: so i i can <coughs> i can i can i can maybe like sketch out what it would take to make the magnets less bad for me which is like have some legibility to like what turning the dial does right like it feels like they just, the, the, the 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 magnets have like two settings attract and repulse with no like variability to it because it feels like they crank it all the way and it makes it like it would make sense to me if, like, the 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 silverware worked. If that only happened when they cranked it all the way, right? Like, or something like that. And like, if they didn't pull the car from like through it through a building, if like the car was actually next to them, right? Like, if they kept it like, like that level of reasonable, I think I'd be more on board with it. And they'd be like, you know, have a moment where like, you know, it also kind of like works against them in a real way, right? Where like, you know, like the you know like. I don't know. You have Roman early in the film turn the magnet too hard, and like it causes an issue, right? Like, um, that 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 that'd do it for me. Or you
1: have something like you have something like uh, they go to the cars, and then and then Tej says, "Okay, but I gotta warn you." These all these cars are all made out of all aluminum because you wouldn't be able to make a, the, a, a car out of steel, which means we're gonna be extra vulnerable to bullets or some shit like that. You know what I mean? You, like yeah. I, I see, I see what you're saying. You you could you could sort of justify in the plot how some of this works and give it real push and pull. In kind of a mechanical sense.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like even the, though the bank vault, like, didn't have a ton of that, it had some of it, right? Like, they're, it's crashing into things. It's slowing them down. Dom has to make his last name. And on top of that, it's part of, like, a clever switcheroo, right? Like, you know, um, the, in, in this movie, the magnets just kind of, like, do what we need them to do. And, like, you know, that's that, right? Like, they, they feel literally, like, just like kind of, like, you know, Davis ex machina, like I said, um, and that, that's, I think, kind of what bothers me the, the, the most about them, and, and why I kind of like to dismiss them, at, and why I don't like them, right? Like, um, And, I, you know, I feel like I feel like we're talking a lot about this, but I also feel like there's just, like, not a lot else to hang my hat on, on the, in, the, in this movie, right? Like, there are cool moments, right? Like, launching Tej and Roman into space. Very fun, right? But, like, um, it feels like it kind of, like, drifts between things rather quickly, and it doesn't feel like there's a lot, like, to latch onto when you're other than like you know like like you said the han stuff but like it, it feels like it goes from a to b to c relatively quickly and there's it doesn't feel soulful maybe maybe that's the wrong way to put it it's just i don't know the movie
1: feels it definitely has a lot of momentum yeah, yeah i i i get i'm on board with that um but i also feel like these movies kind of have to have a lot yeah, of sure. momentum otherwise you will think too hard about no like, no that, that's absolutely you know true,
0: yeah i'd I buy that i'd buy that
1: like where is little nobody? They made such a big deal of him in the last movie, and then I guess they were like, you know what, let's cut, let's cut him out of this one. We're not going to care too much about it.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Um, yeah, but like, part of that is why like I feel like I don't have a ton to say about the movie, right? Like, okay, like the movie to me is like a John Cena, right? And not not in a bad way, just kind of like that's the most memorable thing about the movie to me is that John Cena is here. Right, like, um, and that's it. I do want
1: to say one thing which I really appreciate, which is that John Cena, uh, as Jacob, adds a level of weird backwards compatible, like backwards compatible believability to the series when he retroactively justifies why Mr. Nobody shows up in Furious Seven, right? Um, because Technically, he did show up for a reason. It was like, Justified but it was very shaky in Furious 7, right? Um, but now that you know that actually, you know, Dom's younger brother was working for Mr. Nobody this whole time, you it all of a sudden recontextualizes a lot of the kind of dumb, weird shit that happens in that movie around Mr. Nobody. That's like, why do... Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Why does he say, like... This, this stuff, you don't know Dominic Toretto. Why, well, how do, it's like, oh, he understands because of X, Y, and Z, right? Because of Han, because of his brother, um, et cetera.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, uh, yeah, I, I I I feel all that. I also think that, like, the, the thing that popped in my mind is, like, oh, this is, like, weird petty bullshit because The Rock, hit, or, you know, Vin Diesel hates The Rock now. He gets the other WWE actor, right? Like, you know... Like I feel like if this had kept I going... Go,
1: but I do want to say, I think John Cena does a great job. Oh. I was surprised at how well I like John Cena in this movie because I think John Cena has, um, I don't know, he just has a presence that's quite a lot like The Rock, and I don't love that uh, for him. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I think, so John Cena, I think, like, I think it works because he's like the villain for like 90% of the movie, right? Like, in the alternate yep. universe, we're like you know, John Cena was Luke Hobbs and, you know, The Rock comes in at this movie, right? Like, I feel like, you know, John Cena and Vin Diesel have the same falling out because like, you know, John Cena doesn't have time to, you know, has enough time to like see himself become the villain, right? Like, um, at least in terms of like the attention grabbing stuff. Although maybe not, like, I don't know. I have not heard the same things about John Cena in terms of like behind the scenes nonsense. Uh, just some you know stuff about like pandering to the CCP, but that that's basically it. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm excited for where where things go in in Fast X because now that that's it. That's all. That's all that's left. We don't know what's happening next, right? Are you seeing it on Thursday?
0: Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working from home specifically so I can go see see this movie.
1: I almost was going to quit right, but I decided not. I I took a later showing, so I'm seeing it at 9:45 at night, okay, instead of at you know, yeah. Since since um, we read
0: at 9:30 my time, I am going to see it like five or so, right, like early (laughs) enough. You know, that I I, I, I have to leave directly from like at the end of my work day. I have to like drive straight to the theater, but you know, um, um, predictions for so I so you know, like I said, nothing is sacred to me now that Hans back. I have some wild predictions about Fast X. Um, Okay, let's go. Let's hit hit them. So I I think I'll start, like, I think everybody is going to be in this movie, right? Like, I think that they're going to, at least in one of these three upcoming movies, right, everybody's going to show up, I think, uh, at least once. Um, I think my wildest prediction is that I think Brian's going to show up. Like, I think, like, yeah, like, that that is kind of why I asked him how you (laughs) Like that would be wild. I like. I would not pa- like that. There is we'll a see. part of me that thinks that there are three movies to this series because Vin Diesel wants AI technology to get far enough out that, like, in when he, when Brian comes back in the third movie, that it won't be as weird, right? Like that. That oh, is like my. God. This is my like, you know, my prediction, right? Like, I don't feel great about it, but I think it's gonna happen, right? Like. I think Vin Diesel would like resurrect Paul Walker if he could to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like that's sure. the, that's the energy I get out of Vin Diesel. Um. Uh. But you know that that, that is my that is my wildest prediction. Oh hello, Ryan.
1: Yeah, he's he's coming to hang out. That's your wildest prediction. Okay, I'm on. Okay, I get that. I feel bad because I've been looking at some of this stuff, so I know some things, but I won't talk about anything that I that I
0: have. Um, yeah kind of like awareness of um the only thing i know is that luke hobbs is back because it got pushed to me um i've been searching enough fast oh, okay that was that yeah that was on. the
1: other thing uh, is is that i is that i also heard that oh my god orion please st- oh my god he's just on the keyboard you know what the we're still recording so yeah i guess it's okay um <laughs> um Yeah, I'm really interested to see how Hobbs comes back into it, because one of the things that I actually liked about the the post-credits thing um, is the idea that Han is back and he is confronting Shaw. Because I think Han and Shaw have really great, like, the the kind of energy that I was complaining about a little bit in the last thing where they're a little too similar, Han being very um, subtle and subdued. Right, compared to Shaw, who is more braggadocious and like I don't know, I, I don't even know how I would say this. Like, I don't know, I, I don't even know how I would how I would quali- quantify it. Ju- it just feels like they have a very opposite energy, which I'm excited about because I think that a team up. It's sort of like how Roman and Tej have a lot of like chemistry right. and like pair up well i feel like shaw and han would pair up amazingly <laughs> and, I, and i want to see that so bad uh what else do i think what else do i think i don't think there's any world where giselle comes back so I, I maybe luke evans i think i think maybe owen shaw is back in this one
0: yeah i think everybody will have a cameo even like maybe just in a flashback right like but i think everyone will have a cameo at the very least um in up to including like I mean except for maybe the people like except the only person I could see not having a cameo is um Idris Elba. <laughs> um like Oh yeah. Yeah. Like <coughs> I assume one of these movies is going to tie up the Hobbes and Shaw like plot line. Um like I am sure who is ever running Iano or whatever the fuck that's called, um is going to be a plot point. My my guess is either it is Cipher or somebody related to Cipher in that way, right? Like gonna yeah, because two-
1: there are two new characters in the movie: Jason Momoa and Brie Larson. Right, like these are the two new headliners who are in. Um, but basically, everybody else is also in, right? So Cipher comes back. Um, Shaw comes back. Hobbs is back. It's interesting. I don't know. I don't know who I think is gonna. I think maybe they're building up Cipher as sort of like this final boss villain, right? She kind of ends up in the in in like the 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 twist in the third act, you know, like the one who encourages um, Jacob or I'm sorry, Otto to betray Jacob. Otto is the the sort of like dumb villain, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Jacob is like the you know the emotional villain. I feel like Cipher might have a similar relationship with Jason Momoa in this one, right? Where Jason Momoa is kind of the front the forward facing. You know, villain, um, but that um, Cipher will kind of be behind. behind oh yeah, it. I, I fully expect
0: um, Jason Momoa to have turned to the good guys by the end of the movie, right? Like, if you're big and muscly, you are a good guy at heart. Is is like the the real message of the Fast and Furious films, right? Like, big strong man, good. Um, you know. Uh, and th- yeah. True. <laughs> um, Honestly, you know what.
1: I, I the cra- here's the crazy thing. Never gonna happen in a million years, but I will say it, because it could. Okay. I think the craziest thing they could do is at the very end of the movie, a yellow Camaro shows up. Okay, no one's driving it, and like Dom looks and is like, "What is what is this?" And then that Camaro turns into Bumblebee. <laughs> because the Transformers movies and the Fast and Furious movies are both owned by Universal, okay? And but, the, the, that to me, that would be the craziest thing to, to ever happen, right? To have the Fast and Furious car movies also cross over with the Transformers car movies. I don't think. But... <laughs> I- <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds that you would, that you would give me on that? What would you pay out if I were to put in a dollar and and that were to happen?
0: <laughs> a thousand, like there's no right yeah, there's <laughs> just no way, right? The only way that happens is if like they make Brian's kid play like, let's say like kind of like, like they loop it somehow, right? That like, cause it, it, it's just it is. Weirdly, it's not the idea of a Transformer showing up in the movie. It's the fact that this means that Transformers movies have been happening in the background and nobody's talking about it, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> yep. That's the part that yeah. makes me think it can't happen, not anything else. Um, other...
1: Yeah, I mean, there is there is a Transformers movie coming out in a couple of weeks, The Beast right? Wars movies, uh, yeah. The, the Beast Wars movie. Uh, I don't know if we're going to talk about it in the podcast, but I'm definitely going to see it because I, I loved Beast Wars when I was a kid.
0: I don't like. I don't know what's happening in the Transformers continuity, and frankly, I don't fucking care. Right? Like,
1: I. You know what? To be completely honest with you, I feel you, and I sort of feel like I am vindicated a little on the Transformers movies because they did Bumblebee, didn't do great. Um, and then this one's tracking pretty poorly or whatever. And it just sort of looks like there was some special weird fucking magic to these Michael Bay Transformers movies. And I have always died on that hill that those movies are not – I mean, they're not good, right? But they're they are not bad in the way that people say they are. They kind of had this, like, lightning rod, you know, of, of hatred from the internet. But real bad movies are forgettable. And I feel like that's what Bumblebee is. And it kind of seems like that's what this Rise of the Beast is going to end up sort of, like – You know, is sort of going to end up being, and weirdly, the in the test of time, it's going to be the Michael Bay Transformers movies that are going to be fondly remembered, because you know, I don't know, he was just a weird, crazy,
0: yeah. I mean, there's a little of visionary, right? Like, you know, yeah. Who who else would put fucking robot testicles in a movie, right? Like,
1: (laughs) like that's yeah. I mean, it's funny because like that's the the, that's the stuff that we remember. But, like, I actually think that the action in those movies is remarkably kind of better than they're given credit for in a weird way. Um, <coughs> I don't know I was watching I was watching just some clips of the fights themselves on YouTube the other day because what this is when I formulated this theory. I was like, let me just like look um and I just like watched some of these you know like these these scenes play out um and I kind of forgot how weirdly well choreographed the four robot fighting movies um uh they the especially the later films would end up kind of would end up kind of being
0: i just had the worst thought like what if your prediction comes true and they bring back brian as a transformer (laughs) no
1: Oh <laughs> gross! Okay, yeah. you know what? We'll end on that cursed thought. <laughs> cursed, cursed, cursed thought. cursed! <sighs> How was your week? Tell me, tell me all about it. What have, what have you been up to, bud?
0: Uh, my week's been been pretty, pretty decent. Um, what did I do this week? Um, so a couple things that I did games wise. Um, I have been I've been playing a lot of Marvel Snap. But that's just kind of like my my standard kind of like toilet game, but. I played in the Diablo 4 server smash or whatever, but only for a couple hours um, because I was away and then I got back in time to, to do it. Um, I tried out the Druid. Druid's kind of neat. Not going to be... I think I'm going to start with a Barb when D4 comes out in like the four weeks of this um, I feel like I
1: have to start out with a Barbarian. I'm always a Barbarian in Diablo, Diablo games.
0: Yeah, I mean, I... So like, I, I, I have tried every class except for the Necromancer and like Minion... Minion class is always kind of like my second character or like you know my third like it's a thing I do once in a while after I'm more comfortable with the game um but I think I'm definitely doing uh doing Barb just because like it feels good right like i played I played the the barbarian in the um in the first um you know in the first uh beta and it was super fun yep. so um uh, what else yeah, I
1: had intended to play this beta, but uh I did not end up doing it for dumb reasons, so
0: fair enough um what else can I talk about? Um, I got the new Zelda game, Tears of the Kingdom, um, and I was initially not, and then I kind of like, I saw some memes about it, and I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. Nintendo does good stuff, and I'm I'm pretty well hooked. Um, I've taken, I have, I you know, I was not super hyped for this game, but like, they drop you in, and there's just so much, like, there's a joy to kind of like being able to like stick stuff together in the way the game lets you do that's like you know like i almost want to say it's like you know skyrim meets minecraft but that's not quite right but it's kind of like it got shades of that right like the so i I will explain this puzzle that i i did yesterday that uh really like got me really like you know hooked me in right so there are these mine carts like so the the the, the powers I, I'm very early on the game but the powers you get are like you can pick stuff up and move it around, right? Um there are these minecarts that like ride you can ride them along mine tracks and you can get these fans. And uh uh there uh <laughs> Lou in the chat says I'm still sitting here reeling over <laughs> the, the cursed thought so um, <laughs> but um uh anyway, so so um one of the mechanics in, in, in the game is beyond these things is there are like these, like machines from like this pre- precursor race and like one of the first one you get is a fan and you can hit the fan and it'll blow and it will push you along whatever you're doing right um and so like one of these early puzzles is you put the fan on the cart and you blow the fan, and you blow the cart along the tracks and that's how you move to like the next area there's this optional puzzle where there's like there's these tracks leading up to this other thing so I'm like oh okay and i put it together and i go on the cart and then i realize much to my chagrin, that there's, like, a hole in the track, right? And so I fall off. I fall off the edge of the world, and I go back. It's like, hmm, I'm staring at it. Hmm, how do I do this? It's like, ah, there are, like, six carts laying around. Can I just, like, shove six, like, three or four carts together and have it, like, because only one half of the tracks has a hole, like, the other track, track mm-hmm. is working. Um, and so, I'm like, can I shove all three of these together and put a fan on it and get across? That also doesn't work. I go plummeting to my death. Um, there are also these hooks lying around, so I'm like, ah, this is what I will do. And I put the hook on the unbroken rail and I put a fan on the bottom and, um, okay, the hook is too light. The fan just like pushes it and it spins instead of like riding along the track, right? Then I try to attach a log to it and ride the log, but that's just not working. Finally, I take the, the mine cart. I stick the bottom of the mine cart onto the hook. I hook the hook on the track. I put the fan on the back of the cart. I push it along and I get the other end. I'm like, I'm a fucking genius. Obviously this took me three (laughs) times longer than it should have, but it felt so fucking good. I love this fucking game. I'm hooked. Um, I've been playing it for a handful of hours now, so I can't go into like, I don't know the the deeper stuff or, you know, I think that sometimes the danger with these types of games is that a certain point you will, um, you know, you'll, you'll out, out power level, um, you know, what you're, what you're doing. But, uh, you know that's, um, I've been having a, I've been having a blast with it. Um, yeah, I've got a couple other things, but I'm going to hand the mic over to you, buddy. How, how's your weekend going? Oh
1: man, I got a bunch of stuff. Th- well, so the big thing that I was doing was playing Chorfs finally, uh, Chaos Dwarves um, for Total War, which I got to be honest is some of the best Total War I've played in my entire fucking life. Holy fuck, do I love Chorfs! The the thing that's interesting about um, Chorfs is. Most of the, you know, so most of the way the factions work in Total War is you sort of have order factions, you have chaos factions, right? Um, But then you have a couple of other, like, like aligned factions, right? Like, um, you sort of have these, um, like, Skaven, for instance. They're not chaos aligned, but they're, like, evil, right? Um, Or you might have the undead who aren't chaos aligned, but they're evil, that kind of thing. And one of the things that's interesting but also kind of frustrating about the game is that most of the the order races play kind of similarly. And most of the chaos races play kind of similarly. Right. So for instance, (coughs) in the empire, you are trying to take land, build it up, control it. You bet you make a functioning economy. You're trading with other order factions, right? That is the, that's like the kind of core gameplay. And that's pretty similar for high, high elves. It's pretty similar for lizardmen. Um, it's pretty similar for Bretonia, right? These are all kind of the good alli- the good aligned races, right? And they all have the kind of the same like uh game plan, right? Whereas the greenskins and the skaven have also have have pretty similar you know, construction, right? Where their settlements are not great. They're kind of crappy. It's hard to turn them into powerhouses, right? Um, and they don't really do trade or anything like that. They're mostly built on raiding and sacking and pillaging, right? This is also true of, like, chaos. Uh, you know, this is also true of, like, um, uh, uh, undead, right? The interesting about thing about chaos dwarves is chaos dwarves are these, like... Insane industrialists, right? Like they they are the perfect evil, like Captain Planet industrialist faction basically, right? Um they're slavers, right? Which is also true about dark elves. To be fair, dark elves are kind of a little bit of an anomaly, um which is sort of nice. Like dark elves are a an evil faction that you can play that actually does grow a really strong economy and they grow that on the backs of slaves, right? Um Chaos Dwarves do a very similar thing, but Chaos Dwarves are built more on their industrial core <laughs> than Dark Elves are, which makes them actually like different and more satisfying to play because Chaos Dwarves are like this dark inversion of that typical order mindset, right? Where I'm trying to do the same thing, right? I'm trying to invest a lot into my provinces, into making these really, really strong, powerful provinces. But what you're doing with Chaos Dwarves is you're building outposts and factories and towers, right? And so the, the, the thing with an outpost is outposts use labor to mine raw materials, right? <coughs> factories take raw materials and they turn them into armaments, right? Um, which is like guns and stuff like that. And then you take those armaments and you do stuff with them. And then there's um, – did you ever play Cathay when you played uh, Warhammer 3? Yeah. No. Cathay has a, has a thing called trade caravans, um, which is a, a whole subsystem that allows you to send trade caravans from Cathay out into the old world, right? So you can send a trade caravan to Altdorf, for instance. You can send a, a trade caravan to um, – uh, god, I don't know what some of the – like Kislev, for instance, right? Um, Chaos Dwarves have the evil version of that, right? They have what are called convoys. And with convoys, you can send trade caravans where you're trading gold, but you're trading for these resources, right? So, for instance, if you want slaves, well, you can send a trade caravan – a convoy. You can send a convoy where you trade guns to the Dark Elves for slaves, for labor. It's called labor. (laughs) It's not called slaves by the the Chaos Dwarves or whatever. Um, You can send – Gold to the ogres and they will give you raw materials, right? Um, and the interplay between all of these is just like so complex, but like also compelling. I feel I feel like I'm playing the Lex Luther version of the dwarves in a way, which is the perfect feeling for what these should be like, right? In the dwarf, you know, with the dwarves, you're trying to build this like strong, uh, you know, like Uh, this like strong economy, you're building up your your provinces, you're generating money, sort of like hand over fist and getting these really elite, powerful kind of like artillery units. Well, you're doing all the same stuff with the Chaos Dwarves. You're just taking slaves to do it right? Um, You know, you're using hobgoblins, uh, which are sort of like goblins, but it's like the special chaos dwarf version of goblins. You're using hobgoblins as your kind of meat shields um, (laughs) in your armies, because you need someone to hold them in place so that you can bombard your crazy chaos powered artillery into the right locations. And just God, it feels so good. It is so fun uh, playing, you know, playing these these chaos dwarves. So that was a big part. That was a big part of what I was, uh, what I was doing. I was also playing uh, a lot of Hearthstone. Um, I'm trying to make. As always, I don't know. I I'm very, I'm very Hearthstone pilled right now. I'm, I'm trying to make Menagerie Warrior work. Um, I ended up going on a really insane winning streak, getting into Diamond with a version of Menagerie Warrior. Uh, Menagerie Warrior being the Warrior where you're trying to play as many different creature types as possible. Um, I may have cracked the code. I got a pretty good list uh, that was you know that was doing pretty well. I don't know. I I could take a look at some of these stats. Um, what was I playing? Yeah, I went on a 19... So. In one uh, version of warrior, I went seventeen and two over nineteen games. Um, that was my huge, huge climb. I would just like went absolutely apeshit with this with this warrior deck. Um, and then I and then I modified it, <coughs> and that one I went seven and five with. Um, But I'm now in diamond. I've I've been kind of fucking around doing other stuff. I found a I found an interesting Enrage Warrior that I went five and two with that was pretty fun. Um, And then I was just kind of like mucking around with some of the other classes to like clear uh, to to sort of clear quests. I actually really like this meta. I think this is one of my favorite Hearthstone metas. And on Thursday, there are balance changes coming. Okay, we don't know what's in them yet. We don't know what's in those balance changes, but. When they do balance changes now in Hearthstone, what they do is they preview, they say balance changes on Thursday, they say these cards are getting buffed, these cards are getting nerfed. And in the getting buffed section, they have from the depths, right, which is, if you will remember from the derpies last year, the card that got nerfed in the worst patch of all time that made control warrior this garbage deck basically um they are buffing from the depths again and i just hope to god they are reverting the from the depths nerf because if they give me that card back i'm pretty sure control warrior is good again um i want it i just i want it so bad they might they might do some other stuff uh you know people are thinking that they will buff from the depths by bringing the mana cost down, but they will also change the effect a little bit. Um, right now, it says, you look at the bottom five cards of your library, you reduce the cost of all of those cards by five, and then you pull one of them, bring it to the top of the top of the deck. Um, what might end up happening um, in, uh, is they say, okay, well, this is now a three-mana spell again but it only reduces the the mana cost by two instead of by three that kind of a thing um which you know if they make that change kind of fair enough uh you know it like i i would get it i would understand um hearthstone right now is weirdly being terrorized by a super high win rate deck that nobody is playing um unholy dh is broke i'm sorry unholy demon uh death knight uh not demon hunter is broken to an insane degree just this ability to flood the board with stats um reload really efficiently you know just kind of keep generating threats over and over and over again um uh, weirdly, absolutely farming aggressive decks. This is this is kind of not super true. A lot of the time, these aggressive decks are uh uh kind of duke it out with one another and they have kind of like strengths and weaknesses. Um, t- typically, you want an aggressive deck to be the best deck in the metagame. Um, uh, but the thing that's so impressive about Unholy is that it is just definitively the best. It like it actually does kind of poorly against the control matchups. Um, but it just absolutely dumpsters these aggressive and mid-range matchups where it can seize the board and take initiative and never kind of let go. Um, so that one's that one's getting nerfed. But weirdly, the format just doesn't care. I don't know what it is. Um, on on one of the one of the top end podcasts, there's a podcast called the Vicious Syndicate Podcast for Hearthstone, um, where you know data from the top one uh, top thousand. Um top one hundred um, of of legend players is is kind of getting like filtered and people talk about this a lot. Um, the interesting thing is, Nobody's playing this this unholy Death Knight deck. It has the most bonkers win rate, you know, we've probably seen in a a long time. Uh, But I guess, I don't know, the deck is just too simple, it's too straightforward to play. Uh, For some reason, people have kind of been playing other decks, which has created a metagame where actually the format seems more balanced than it is. It's just that nobody really wants to just, like, downright win with a, a pretty straightforward, swarmy, unholy death knight deck. So, yeah. According to an ad I saw online, you may be entitled to compensation from Hearthstone for reasons, loot boxes, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I did hear about that. It is a exceptionally stupid class action, class action
0: lawsuit that I saw. Yeah, uh, there's another one, I think, for Steam as well. Um, there's been, I think there's a couple, like, there's a law firm that's, like, trying to get something going uh, around kind of, like, the e-commerce stuff in the game space. I don't know. I don't trust any of that, Just not because, like, there might be a case, but I'm also pretty sure that, like, if you sign up for one of those, like, I'm going to lose my Steam account, right? Like, I don't want to risk that, right? Like, um, yeah. So, um, but, you know, if you think you might have a case, talk to a qualified lawyer, not to us. Um, True.
1: Um, interestingly enough, and question for you, did you watch Guardians 3 yet? No. Oh, okay, never mind then.
0: I have not had the time. I went down to New Jersey to visit my mom for Mother's Day. Um, in a call back to, I'm sure, one of our, one of our uh, uh, you know, alternate universe, Cinderbs uh, Talk About Games, or Cinderbs Talk About Food podcasts, I went to a place in Newark um, that I know we've talked about, I don't know if we've talked about on the cast, uh, Four Nose of Spain. Um, which oh, yep. Is excellent. I recommend it to anybody in the that New is, York. Area. That is
1: weirdly right by my my dad probably lives maybe like a quarter mile from there. Okay, like half a yeah, mile yeah. from there
0: cuz he lives in the Ironbound district now. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um uh but yeah. Um what else? Um so one other thing I wanted to call out is um on YouTube. Are you familiar with Auntie Donna? Mm, nope. They are Auntie Donna. They are like a comedy group. Um they have a thing on Netflix. They're also part, and they, they have a YouTube channel. They also have a thing, they're Australian, they're an Australian comedy trio. Um, uh, but they are also part of this thing called Grouse House, which is like, a, I think, a slightly larger comedy collective. But there is this relatively newish web series, it's got two episodes right now. It's called like, let me get the name of this, it's like the worst game in, uh, the, the worst game show ever or something like that. Let me see if I can find this real quick. Uh, do... come on uh, the most upsetting guessing game so ah uh, 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 so the most upsetting guessing game the way it works is is you have a, a bunch of people or you have essentially a host and uh, three or four contestants and um, the host just kind of like facilitates but the contestants there is one who play the 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 it's an improv game and the Uh, setup is that one of the players is hosting a party and he has to guess what the other three players are the characters they are playing but they're playing extremely convoluted and um and hard to guess characters um and this is hilarious because it's like about halfway through the episode they just start screaming at each other like you get to that point where it's like we want to be done with this and we need you to guess the answer right so they start getting like more obvious with their clues but, like, the first episode, which I have to, like, to this give you an idea, the, one of the characters, one of their kind of, like, aspects was, like, body is made of, of friendly snakes, right? Like, that one's relatively easy to guess, right? But, like, one of the characters, they was, um, his character was, he is doing a very obvious pantomime, but every time the guesser guesses it correctly, he says no, and then changes it to something else that's very obvious. And one of his other things is every three or four times that happens, he goes over to the ho- like the host of the game and like mutters about recasting the party host, um, like 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 resho- having to reshoot the thing. But it's just part of the game. But like the woman who's playing the party host doesn't know that, right? And is kind of like starting to have like a minor mental breakdown in the middle of the show, um, uh, and is getting very upset. And so they have to like be like, "What is he doing?" Right? Like you know guess right like and it is it's just so fucking hilarious right like i am dying like it's clear that these people are like making themselves miserable over the course of like this 40 minutes but it is so funny that like i was i was dying laughing watching it so I, i cannot recommend that highly enough that's that's the only kind of um viewed media that i think i want to uh uh, they'll want to promote this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been watching. I've been watching The Boys again. I'm trying to get through the the next season. I've also been trying to watch Barry. Barry has been hard. Barry season three is a rough one. Um, Barry season two was fun because like it was still kind of funny in like a dark comedy slapstick way. But Barry season three, is just like really hitting you with that like, this is a really fucked up guy, and I'm just like, hey. Oh,
0: k- 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 k, yikes
1: um, sort of way, right?, uh, which is interesting. you know I, I I think of myself as a guy who likes that stuff. Um, but it's easier when it's like, you know, Saul Goodman, for instance. Saul Goodman, like Saul is a fundamentally like except sympathetic maybe is the, is the question like character because like he's a bad guy. he's he's selfish. Right. Um, And his selfishness fucks his entire life up, according to this show, essentially. Um, (coughs) Obviously, no spoilers for the final season, because I don't think you've watched that. But not yet. No, you know. Um, But. my, My thing with Saul, Saul is an addict, right? He is he is addicted to his selfishness. He is addicted to his bad behavior. Right. And you watch him, you know, Go cold turkey and then you watch him relapse um and th- there's something compelling about that uh in a way where i can recognize he's a bad guy but i have a lot of sympathy for him um and i find him like really interesting to watch the kinds of things that barry ends up doing again no spoilers are the kinds of things that i am just like oh my god and i i, I don't know it's just hard it's just real hard to watch um but I want to, because we're in Barry season four now, and I really, w- and it's the final season, and I want to see how it ends, because I've said Barry is very, very good, uh, so I don't know, I'll try and get get back through it. For some reason, I went to the boys off of that, of all things, just because I had never seen season three, and uh, like a clip popped up on YouTube, and I was just like, you know what, I'll just get it over with. Let's let's go. Um, and so I've been watching back the whole thing, and once again. I think it is a no-thoughts-head-empty show, but I have realized why it is, and the reason why it is is actually pretty simple. And it's, ironically enough, it is because of uh, the same principle as magnets, right? Um, Which is that the show is sort of unrealistic morally speaking. Um, the, The Boys is such a cynical take on superheroes and, like, the world... Right. That it actually kind of beggars belief. Like I it is an unbelievably evil show in a sense. And I think it's funny because the boys is kind of coming at you from this perspective of this is what superheroes would really be like. But no, I no, I don't I don't think that's true. I don't think that's the case. I don't think it makes a good case for that. And I think a lot of the supporting details about the boys, um, you've seen it, right? I have seen, I I have not
0: seen season three. I think we stopped. Okay, I have also not
1: seen season three yet. But like, so for instance, the fact that Vaught is able to hide for half a century that they have been chemically dosing babies to give them superpowers is mind-bogglingly unrealistic. Right. Because you see with Starlight and her mom, right, where her mom understands exactly what happens and the decisions that get made because they're they're masking compound V as a polio vaccine. Right. It's like, are you really telling me that nobody ever spoke up about this? Like it is you have to have you have to be so fundamentally like blackpilled on the human race in order to sell that. And I do think that it is internally consistent to the world of the boys. The world of the boys is that is precisely that evil and that cynical, right? Um... But it fundamentally loses me. This is why I think The Boys is about nothing. The Boys isn't making any real points. It doesn't have anything on its mind. It's very compelling television, and I'm weirdly liking it more the second time around. Just, I think, because I, 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 I stopped expecting things of The Boys. The Boys is a C-suite student, and that's fine for me, right? You know, you don't, you don't have to be in the honors. You, you, you don't have to pretend to be as good as, you know, good television. You can just be fine television. That's fine. Um... But yeah, it's that stuff that is just like getting on my nerve. My like my not even on my nerves. It's not on my nerves, but uh, when it when it comes to the voice. The final thing I want to talk about though, which I am excited about, have you heard of a program called I don't really want to make sure I get this right, Tailspire? Tailspire. No. You can go ahead and take a quick fucking look. This is I Tail,
0: <laughs> This is tailspire? The shit.
1: <laughs> yeah like a fairy tale spire huh. one word it is a it is a steam thing that is in early access but um tail is this is this program that lets you build dungeons and like 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 put guys in there or whatever um, but it's basically just like almost like unity for but like like a or or maybe like not unity, maybe like RPG maker is a good is a good um uh <coughs> comparison, so basically what it allows you to do is you get to to like make your maps and the idea is that uh and it's just this like custom creation tool right and the idea is that you host your d and d game inside of Tailspire. there's all these models right you can build you know you can build towers, you can build inns you can build camps you can build maps or whatever um but this shit is the coolest thing okay um basically and a weird twist of fate i i like had a oh you know not what? Even a i'm I, am
0: embarrassed. I backed this on kickstarter and i totally forgot about it
1: well we're we're gonna learn if it's if it's cool yeah so basically i'm, I'm playing a new d 5 e game um this came about because the other day i was talking to uh rachel I was talking to Rachel about the backstory of one of my characters. Um, so, Maznar Cliffgrove, Mountaineer of Kazmodan, um, is my dwarven hunter in World of Warcraft. And um, <coughs> Cliffgrove's backstory is um, that he's the member of a of a dwarven tank crew, right? So, if you remember in Warcraft three, there are like dwarven siege engines, these these siege tanks um, in the Alliance military. It's like one of the units that they can build. Cliff Grove is the gunner of this tank crew. Um, and his backstory is that he, um,. Uh, he got kind of trapped behind the scourge lines, right? So when Arthas returns from Northrend with Frostborn, he kills his dad, he unleashes the scourge over Lordaeron, creates the plague lands, eventually goes up into Quel'Thalas and does and does all that stuff. Um, there's this dwarven tank crew and they are alone and cut off from any support structure and they are just trying their best uh to to escape from behind the scourge lines, and I remember, and I was pitching, and I said to, um, I said to Rachel, I was like, I think this would make a really fun D and D campaign, right? You know, the idea that you are kind of constantly surrounded by the undead, and all you have is this tank, and the tank is powerful, right? Um, but you know, you need to, to support it in a bunch of different ways. Um, and uh, and so we're doing that. We're running with the Warcraft Fifth Edition uh, Compendium, which itself is an insane like homebrew it's a four hundred and thirty page uh PDF that it that like maps kind of Warcraft lore and the Warcraft universe onto uh D D fifth edition rules, which is pretty neat, which is pretty interesting. Um I am playing uh, I am playing Cliff Grove, the, the, the nominal Clif- Cliff Grove, um, but I'm playing with a couple of our friends from the guilds, right uh, One of whom is going to be playing a Dwarven Mountain king who is the tank commander, one of whom is going to be playing a human priest, and the other is going to be playing a high elf spellbreaker, which I think is just like the perfect setup for like a D&;D you know crew, right um, so I'm very excited about that. But Tailspire is the thing that we are, we are using for it. And the absolutely crazy thing that, that is nuts about Tailspire um, is it has the ability to, one, import Hero Forge minis. Right. Hero Forge being a custom, you know, website that allows you to um, to make a custom mini and then you get a 3D printed, they'll ship it to you sort of thing. But you can also get like a digital download of it. Um, so that's the thing. Tailspire can take those and put them in its game engine, which is nuts. Um, but the other thing you can do is you can add <laughs> your own models. And so something that Rachel has been doing. Buddy, um, buddy, the chat. I did not. I mentioned I mentioned. What are you talking about? I mentioned you. I said a human priest. Anyway, um, I'm sorry. I'm talking to Lou in the chat. Lou says this campaign has four characters, but mentioned three of them. I absolutely did not. I mentioned a dwarven mountain king. I mentioned me. I mentioned a human priest, and I mentioned a oh, high spe- spellbreaker. That's four. That's those are four people. Ooh, okay, running the game. Uh,
0: Rachel. Oh, okay, fair enough.
1: Yeah, in her in her DM introduction, right to it's happening um but anyway yeah so she's importing uh she ripped the models for from warcraft 3 reforged um the the siege tank model that exists in warcraft 3 reforged um and it is now in tailspire which is insane and super cool and i'm freaking out about it so i want to i don't know we'll see we'll see how that goes i it is just i don't know there's something about it that like glued me. I was like, we have to do Tailspire. This thing looks incredible. I want to do this so fucking bad. Um, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, I guess. Yeah.
0: Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, well, we're at about time, and uh, we've got Raid to get to, so...
1: We have got Raid to get to.
0: I will say, um, you know, uh, you if you'd like to email us about any of the things we talked about in this podcast, you can email us at gmail.com or podcast at subversivegames.com you can reach us at twitch.tv slash or you can watch us live at twitch.tv slash or youtube.com slash asnoseplaygames um, uh, we've great us where you find podcasts we've got all the links down in the description buddy you have anything you're looking to promote
1: uh no I have nothing I'm looking to promote
0: well with that I'm going to say uh, until next time dear listeners
1: until next time loyal listeners